This is the Bob McCallum Podcast brought to you by Bedford Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with John Shannon as per usual. How are you today? Okay. Me? Great. Come Good. on now. Let's, let's, things are uh, trucking along, you know, lots, lots of sport. How do you, at this time of year, Bob, how I, I don't have enough televisions because I want to watch everything that's going on. It's nuts right now. You, I mean, you have I, enough you televisions. We no, can I see don't. in the background there. The, the blue, the blue Jays are, are, you know, they're all of a sudden life is good in blue Jay land. You know, things are better. You know, the, you know, the, the Raptors, I know they didn't, uh, they're, they're, they didn't play very well against Boston, but the Raptors are playing better. You know, there's hockey, the Calgary Winnipeg game uh, on Wednesday night was electric and the, the, you know, the Stanley cup players are coming. It's a, it's a great time to be a sports fan. I oh, the Masters. The Remember that? Yeah. I heard of it. was watching. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, I assume you, uh, you spent time watching Calgary or Winnipeg. Wednesday night. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was, uh, hockey, hockey puck that you are. Yes. Well, there was only there was there you know, hey, listen, wait till tomorrow, Bob. Wait till Saturday. Sixteen games, sixteen games on the Saturday of of Easter weekend in the Stanley Cup. That's uh, in, in the regular season. It's going to be fantastic. I may not be married well, by the very end of excited it, but about it's... that. <laughs> well, that's possible at any time, John. It doesn't make this this that's... weekend isn't that special. Uh, we all know that you have spent an uh, an, uh, uh, an exorbitant amount of time in Edmonton with the Oilers, your second well, team in the NHL. I've spent a lot of time, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you've watched this team a lot. Well, we're going to talk about them today. The head coach of the uh, Oilers, Jay Woodcroft, is going to join us today. And we assume you will take a significant portion of this conversation. Why, you're not, you, don't like, you don't like the Oilers? No, but I understand. I know that you've been in Edmonton a lot this year, and uh, you know this team better than just about anybody outside of Edmonton. So I'll let you uh, lead the conversation in many regards. And just Jay is just happy. Jay was one of those Toronto kids that grew up listening to primetime sports in the radio. He's just happy to be on with Bob McCowan. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. It's a lie, <laughs> but it's very kind of you. No, it's not a lie. Uh, Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft when we come back <laughs> after these messages. McCowan and Shannon back with you, and uh, we are with the uh, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Jay Woodcroft. This is the hottest team in the NHL right now. Uh, in fact, it's been the hottest team since the month of January in the in the league. Um, you have to feel confident going into the playoffs with the kind of record you guys have had the last while, huh? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Bob and John. Um, yeah, our team has played very well here, I think, since post-Christmas. And I've uh, seen some uh, steps being taken over the last couple of months. So we've gotten a little bit healthy. Uh, we're still not at full health just yet, but um, the fellas are working and uh, making progress. So heading into game 83, uh, we feel good about where our game's at. 
What do you, Jay, the first half of the season, I, and, you, and you mentioned Christmas. This was a team that everybody had pinpointed after your conference final um, play last year that you were going to be uh, the hottest commodity in the Pacific Division. And yet there was ups and downs until that point. Can you pinpoint why there was, a, I guess you'd call it a slow start, and and what what difference has happened since that period of time? Yeah, um, you know what? I actually think uh, we got out of the gate seven and three, which is which is pretty good. But the next segment was three and seven, um, so that was a disappointing segment for us. I think um, we started to get dinged up um, right around the game eleven, game twelve mark. Obviously, uh, Vander Kane had a horrific injury, um, but Kyler Yamamoto got hurt. Um, Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, these guys. So four of our, our our top nine forwards were all hurt at at or around one one point in time, and what that meant was was that we had to reconfigure some things and uh, learn some lessons along the way. It also meant that there was opportunity for other people to come in and step up and and command some attention. And if you remember, around that time, um, Matthias Janmark and uh, Cliff. Cost and both uh, were recalled from the American League and both have come up and made great impacts on our team. Um, so while it's not always fun to go through, sometimes that adversity helps uh, bring a team together and you learn some things about different people. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, we've been real consistent here, especially post-Christmas. You, you, you mentioned Evander Kane. Um and I, I, I end up talking about this guy a lot more than I think I ever thought I would. But can, when you're standing behind the bench, do you get a, a sense of the personality that he brings to the to him to the bench and to his teammates? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, you know he's a big personality. First of all, in a great way, uh, he brings life. He brings juice uh, to the locker room. He brings juice to your bench. Um, you know, I think uh, he plays the game with the measure of physicality uh, that I think is contagious. And I think other teams take notice uh, when he's in the lineup. Um, you know, he's just been, a, you know, he's a warrior. He's a warrior. He, you know, he came back early from that, that horrific injury, showed how tough he was to, to get in some games prior to the All-Star break. Come out of the All-Star break, he's playing very well, and then he gets injured again uh, and plays through the injury. Um, and I don't know how he played through it, uh, but in the end we decided to shut him down for a few weeks, let him get fully healed, and uh, now he's back uh, and up and running again. He's playing a, a real good brand of hockey, but big personality, and he has a huge effect on our dressing room and on our bench. Uh, you guys spent, you know, the majority of the year, certainly the all of this uh, this calendar year, um, in the top three in your uh, in your division. But now you have a chance to finish first. Um, is that a factor? Do you do you pay attention to that? Is that something that you have a, is an ambition for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, we want to finish as high as we can. And, and, uh, you know, because the higher you finish, uh, the more home games, uh, in the playoffs, uh, in, in you know, sure. to secure home ice advantage. But, you know, it, one thing we talked a lot about here down this stretch is just making 
making sure that we're taking care of our business on a day-by-day basis. You guys mentioned our record since January, our record post-Christmas, but the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, have played uh, very well as well. So it it felt like even though uh, you're gaining points on a nightly basis, uh, the other teams were gaining points as well. So it's a real dogfight uh, for positioning here down the stretch. We have, you know, obviously three games left that are important for us and uh, we want to finish as high in the standings as we can. We we think we're right there, uh, but it'll play out the way it plays out. And in the end, we're going to be ready for, for when the playoffs start um, in game 83. I would actually, think- you, you talked, you, you talked about the home ice thing, Jay. Um, you, you, there was a time when you didn't have a very good home ice record. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that's and that's changed. So because you, your road record is actually better than your home record at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what? that that was something that changed post Christmas. I thought, you know, we had a, a different type of schedule. Uh, we started in uh, October with six home games right off the bat. And, um, you know, I didn't love that. I think, you know, part of a team coming together and gelling, especially early in the season is, is when you get out on the road and people go out for dinner together and all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think we were three and three in that opening stretch, um, you know, which, uh, you know, it was nice uh, that you were at home in the month of October, but that means you have to get, get going on the road uh, elsewhere in the year. But I think post Christmas, uh, we really dialed in our home record and uh, the results would, would speak to that. The situation has um, uh, allowed you, if I can use that word, to bring a lot of guys up from the minors. And so you go into the playoffs now, uh, you know, with, with a lot of veterans and your best players are obviously veterans, but you have some youth on that team. Does that concern you at all? Do you, do you worry about young players in the postseason not having been there before? Um, you know what? I, I think my experience being the head coach in the American League team um, offers me uh, an opinion on some of those younger players in playoff situations. And one of the things uh, when I first chose to go down to Bakersfield to pursue being a head coach, one of the things we talked a lot about down there was how we wanted our younger players first playoff experience to be in the American league. Right. We didn't want their first uh, pro playoff experience to happen in the NHL. And, and, you know, we had some good teams down there and they went on some, some runs. Um, and I think anytime you can do that uh, and help gain younger players, some experience, I think that's to everybody's benefit. And then obviously last year um, in Edmonton, we, we played three rounds. We played deep into the month of June. I think anytime you're doing that, that's a great experience uh, for everybody in the organization. It kind of whets your appetite for more. More. Um, you know, some of our youth this year, guys like Skinner and DeHarnay, uh, will be playing in their first their first NHL playoff um, action. But I think they're ready for it. What do you tell them? Yeah, you, you. What do you say to your guys in preparation for this? Like, well, what what can they do differently, or what should they be doing differently during the playoffs than they did during the eighty two regular season games? 
Yeah, you know, for me, um, I don't try and build it up as as uh, obviously we have to raise our level because everybody raises their level in the playoffs. Yeah, but I I look at it like um, over an eighty two game schedule, you're trying to capture moments as a coach. You're trying to capture the moments that are going to set you uh, up for success when when the real bullets fly in the month of April, May, and June. And um, you know, so I think. You, finding those moments in the in the season talking about them um and using them to your benefit i think that's what sets people up and then when we get to that point um it's almost muscle memory or you know a virtuous loop because we've been talking about it for so long so 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 we've gone uh 10 minutes I think it's a record for a conversation with anybody with the Edmonton Oilers without mentioning Leon or or Connor. Um, um, can you can you just give us a, a personal view of what it's like to have those two guys sit in front of you on the bench? Special, um, special. I think uh, you know how lucky I am as a young coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, to have two superstars in their prime um, in both uh, who are driven uh, by team results. Um, you know, they, their individual numbers speak for themselves, but I think both of them have an insatiable desire to be the best that they can be and to help drive our team uh, to team success. Um, I think, uh, you know, they're two great individuals. Uh, both of them set a tone or of intolerance for anything that's going to get in the way of winning. And I think that's special. Um, now you mentioned Connor and Leon, but how about Ryan Nugent Hopkins who just secured, I was going to say, yeah, uh, the, the third digit in his point total last night. And I can tell you, um, and this is for you guys in your podcast, but the, the celebration for Nuge in that dressing room, um, I sat back and was watching some of the things our, our people did for Nuge. And I thought it was unbelievable. It brought our team together and uh, nobody was happier for Nuge than the two other members of that club and, and Connor and Leon. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the play alone, all you had to do, and you've—I know, I know—you've you, watched the video eighteen times by now. All you had to do was watch how that empty net goal developed from the center ice line, to know that Connor knew exactly what to do in order to make sure that not only he got a point to continue his streak, but that Ryan would get a point as well in order to get to a hundred. I mean, his his um, knowledge and feel for the moment alone told you something of how special Ryan Nugent Hopkins is to his teammates, doesn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, he has the opportunity when it's all said and done to be the longest serving Edmonton Oiler. Um, that's pretty uh, rarefied air with some of the names that have played for our franchise. Um, he is a special and valued member of the Edmonton community of our organization. And he's certainly appreciated by his teammates and coaches. And it, just as an aside to that, he's having his success not as a centerman. He's having his success as a winger. And you, you, recently, I mean, even as a couple of weeks ago, he was with Leon as his center. But you have moved him back with Connor now. What's what's your thought process in switching him between the two centermen? You know what? Um... I think when we have a flexibility or pliability to our um, lineup 
it it makes for uh, you know a, a tough matchup. Uh, I think um, you know it speaks to some of the versatility of different people in our lineup. You you know you're talking about how we've moved him to the wing recently, and and we're switching him between Connor and Leon. But I would say you know going back to one of your first questions about at the start of the year. You know, when we had all those injuries, Nuge, I tasked uh, with centering his own line, and he actually centered Janmark and Costin, and that was a heck of a line for us. They uh, quite often drew the toughest matchup. By him doing that, that allowed us to play Connor and Leon together, and that at that time was something that we felt we needed to do in order to get points on the board um, and put, uh, you know, uh, survive uh, an injury kind of time for us um you know i think when i think of ryan he's team first he's selfless never complains when i move him all over the place plays in every situation touches every aspect of the game um my thought process uh you know we played uh i think a game at home we dropped one point against uh, vegas at home and i just thought we had to it was getting a little bit stale so i flipped the centers and um you know we've had some success would you just as a curiosity before? Sorry, Bob. Um, okay. Would Would you talk to Leon and Connor before you would say that? How did How did How does your progression work with making the lineup decisions and 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 giving centers new line mates? Uh, sometimes I do. Uh, not all the time. Um, I didn't that time. Um, they walked in that morning and saw that. The, the numbers were different on the board. Sometimes I think um, that freshens people up. Um, yeah. But certainly when you have uh, players of, the, of their caliber, you include them as being a partner in the process um, and you, you get their opinion. But a lot of times, um, you know, they're looking for direction too. And, um, you know, so that morning I know when they walked in, I just flipped them in conjunction. And I should say this, it's not just me. It's in conjunction with, with talking with our coaching staff and trying to come up with the best plan for that day. Um, one thing that coaches tend to do in the playoffs is shorten the bench, and especially on defensemen. Uh, so this is a general rule, not a specific, but it's more likely you will go with four defensemen on a heavy workload in the playoffs rather than six or seven. Now, you have used seven defensemen a lot this year. Do you plan to change that? Do you plan to go to shorten your bench when you get into the playoffs? Well, I think the good news for us is uh, we added just an unbelievable piece to our back end at the trade deadline. Matias Ekholm has fit us like a glove. You know, we identified him. We studied him. Um, we identified what we felt our needs were. Um, and we were able to secure a really good player to add to that back end. Now, we lost a, a piece, you know, as part of that trade in Tyson Berry. Um, but with Ekholm, I think it, it's given us some real balance uh, back there. I don't think we need to overplay anybody. We believe in the pieces that we have. Sometimes we go seven defensemen. That's to give us a certain look. Um, you know, I said this last night to our media after the game is that we have an unshakable belief 
in all of our players. Um, we, we really believe that we've come through something here this year uh, and that we're poised uh, to perform very well in the playoffs. And, um, you know, whether we go 60 or 70, um, we think we can win games. And um, the bottom line is when you're in our lineup, whether you play six minutes, 16 minutes, or 26 minutes, your contribution is valued. So you're not likely to we're not likely to see four guys getting most of the work for on the blue line for the end of the Well, well yeah, I would say that, you know, traditionally for us, you know, Darnell Nurse plays a certain amount of minutes, Ekholm and Bouchard play a certain amount of minutes. Sometimes um, you know, you go in with a into the game with a plan, but the game plays itself out the way it plays out. There might be a lot of power plays, which mean a few guys that play more power play minutes get more ice time. Might yeah. be more penalty kills, and that, and that means other people get more ice time. Um, you know, I think the the pairing of uh, Nurse and CC and and Ekholm and and Bouchard uh, get a lot of the minutes, but we've had real good contributions from Kulak and DeHarnay and Broberg when he's in the lineup as well. Okay. DeHarnay is a fascinating story, Jay. Uh, and he, actually, your record since, since January parallels his arrival with this hockey club. Now, that's not to say, say the big guy's the reason why your team is playing so well, but he's certainly an element to it. How well did you know him uh, in Bakersfield before you, you started hearing how good he was down there? And, and then when you brought him up, you were must, must have been familiar with him. Yeah, you know, my experience with him goes years back to when he was first drafted uh, and seeing him in development camps. And then actually when he came out of Providence, uh, he signed a two-way East Coast American Hockey League deal um, with Bakersfield and our then affiliate at that time was Wichita. So I have a real good understanding uh, of Vincent. Uh, I've coached him for a few years. We've won together. Um, you know, um, he has a great relationship with our D coach, Dave Manson. Um, you know, I felt very comfortable with him. Now, the, the thing with Vincent is in the last two years, he has been injured um, during training camp. So not a lot of people within our organization knew what they were going to get with Vincent DeHarnay. Um, I had an experience with him. Dave had an experience with him. So, you know, we understood what he could bring to the table. Uh, unfortunately for Vincent, he was hurt in both both of those last two training camps. So he didn't get in ex exhibition games or anything like that. Anyways, he uh, this year, the first part of his year, he was injured. Uh, we wanted to make sure he got healthy up and up and running. And we had a plan to introduce him on our California road, road trip in, in January. And certainly, um, you know, since that point, the team has taken off and he's earned every single second of ice time that he's got. Usually when you bring a guy up, it's uh, it's perceived that the front office, the general manager specifically, is the one who makes those decisions. But it sounds like in your case, and because you were in Bakersfield, that you are heavily involved in that decision. Is that true? Well, yeah. I mean, Ken and I have a great relationship. Um, you know, we worked together uh, 18 years ago when I first started in, in the NHL with Detroit. So we have a good understanding of each other and our opinions. Obviously, when he uh, came back to uh, came to Edmonton and was the general manager, him and I had a relationship as the head coach down in Bakersfield. And um, certainly we talk about all those those guys. I think having come up 
from the American League team, it gives me a very clear understanding of what uh, every player in the organization brings to the table. So I've seen some of these players in certain situations. I have beliefs about some of these players in certain situations. So when the time comes to uh, call somebody up, obviously we're in constant contact uh, with the our assistant general manager who runs Bakersfield, Keith Gretzky. We're in constant contact with the head coach in Bakersfield, Colin Chalk. And certainly Ken and I talk about it all the time as well. Yeah. Actually, I can't help, I can't help but think about the story you told me one day about that playoff series where I think you uh, went a stretch and then uh, the league made you play the next day in Vegas. Was that right? Yeah. It with, was, a lot of, uh, with a lot of these, with a lot of these kids that are now playing for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, uh, was during the COVID year and um, the Pacific division was the only division to play playoffs in uh, it, it during that year. So, uh, you know, we had a first round matchup actually with the Anaheim ducks who we just played last night. And a lot of the players, that are playing in Anaheim were, were on that team in San Diego. Uh, so we played San Diego's team. Um, we were able to beat them. Uh, I think we played, uh, the way it worked was uh, we played a Friday, a Sunday, and a Monday. Um, we were able to beat that team. And then we went uh, on the bus on the Tuesday, and we played Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. And uh, <laughs> our team came out on top. And I was very, very proud of that group of people. Um, because they came together for the right reasons. Um, and they, uh, you know what, they, uh, that was a special group, a really, real special and, group. And a lot of those players have matriculated up the ladder and uh, now they're, uh, they're on the Edmonton Oilers. And your goalie of record in that series was? Stuart Skinner. Yeah. So, <laughs> so somebody go. has some confidence in yeah. Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're halfway done. We have to take a break. Uh, Jay Woodcroft is with us, um, and we will be back after these messages. <laughs> McCowan and Shannon back with you, and Jay Woodcroft is uh, with us, the head coach of the Edmonton uh, Oilers. There seems to be a consensus this year in the National Hockey League that the strength of the league is in the East. Now, we know that the, the uh, Boston Bruins are the team with the best record, and they've had an extraordinary season. But if you look at things, um, I would say at the end of the year, in all likelihood, there will be about six teams in the West that will get 100 points, and six teams in the East that will get 100 points. And, I mean, the only team that is outside of that um, realm of excellence is the Boston Bruins. How do you feel about the comparison thing? You you know you play these teams, yeah. you know. Do 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 you think that there is significantly more strength in the East than there is in the West this year? I think so necessarily. Obviously, Boston's had the year that they've had. It's um, an unbelievable record. They're flirting with history in terms of wins and all that type of thing. I think uh, the big thing about playoffs and, and the strength of both sides is that anybody can beat anybody in the National Hockey League. And um, for me, um, you know, you get into the playoffs – 
anything can happen. You just got to make sure that you punch your ticket and you want to make sure that your game's in the right spot at that time. You know, I've had a uh, good fortune of being with some three different organizations that have gone to the, the final four. Um, you know, in my, in my experience, uh, I've been to the final four, I think five times uh, in my career, but only one time had a team got to the, the Stanley cup final and only one time uh, have I been part of a team that won the Stanley cup. And I can tell you that, um, you know, the feeling or emotion that you have at the end of it all, uh, when you are successful, it's not elation, it's relief. It's relief. It's a, it's the fact that everything went right, uh, in order for you to attain your goal. And, you know, uh, having been to the final four or five times, having had the opportunity and been fortunate enough to win a Stanley cup, uh, I have that experience with me. So I know that a lot of things need to go correct in order for you to win the, win the big trophy. Um, in the end, uh, like I said, uh, I think uh, anyone can beat anyone in the NHL. You just got to make sure your game's in the right place. So you, you, you were on Mike Babcock's staff uh, in Detroit. You were on Todd's staff in San Jose and in Edmonton, for that matter. Um, what... What what would you say that uh, your takeaway from working with Babcock was as uh, as a coach and being a head coach in the NHL now? Um, yeah, I thought I first of all I thought that staff in Detroit was excellent. Every member of that staff went on to become an NHL head coach, and I'm proud of being in that room as a 28 year old uh, with my ears open. Um, it was it was like getting a master class in um, how to coach. Um, so I'm very fortunate. Um, I thought Mike was meticulously prepared, a great communicator, um, on the cutting edge with strategy. Uh, he was, he was a very, very good coach. And that team came together over a process of three years, uh, and, and found a way to win in year three, uh, coming out of the, the lockout there. And then, uh, you know, being on Todd's staff, obviously, um, you know, Todd, I would say is also an excellent communicator, a common sense communicator, um, somebody who is also very well prepared, master tactician, um, you know, and his record speaks for itself. So as a young coach, uh, what a fortunate uh, guy I was to have been in that room. Do you have a, do you have do you a theory coach? on whether it's better to talk to the group as a group or, or talk to individual players one-on-one? Yeah. I assume you do both, um, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's a, it's a blend of both. Um, I think there's times, um, you know, we have routines and I, and I think routine is important. Um, but how we get to, um, you know, getting our message across, sometimes there's broad concepts that we have to get, uh, across to the team as a whole. And then sometimes there's just the little individual maintenance conversations that go into everyday coaching. It, it's a, it's a, dialogue it's a consistent dialogue back and forth uh, with your players and it doesn't always happen through me um, when we do our work as a staff I might say oh so and so should see that clip and we assign that to one of our assistant coaches right. to you know consistently drive a message 
uh, home to a player. And then, you know, if, if it ever is called where that player needs to see the, the principal, so to speak, we've, we've worked our way through a se- series of events um, before he, he comes in into the coach's office. Um, you know, that's how we do it. Doesn't make, make it right or wrong. It's just uh, how we look at it. We, we, we haven't really talked about your staff very much, but uh, you, you inherited Glenn Gullitson. Uh, you brought yeah. Dave, Dave Manson, you hired, Mark Stewart, you've actually got you. You brought your assistant coaches, and you inherited Dustin Schwartz, the goalie coach. You, you've you've actually brought all your staff along different ways. Yeah. Um, how how has that manifested itself? How because at times you can have, you know, there are still egos involved. Everybody in that group, I think, other than Mark's been a head coach at some yeah. level. So how, how do you, how do you manage that when you've been pinpointed as the head coach and get the best out of your assistant coaches? Well, and I would also add, you mentioned Dustin, uh, but I would also add who I think are the two best video coaches in the league and Jeremy Kupal and uh, Noah Siegel, uh, who just are shredding. See, that's a video coach. That, that's a, that's yeah. a video coach looking after video coaches. That's what that that's is. That's right. Well, those, <laughs> those two guys have shredded coaches challenges on the year. So, I uh, can't not uh, talk about them as well. And in fact, um, you know, so I'll talk about all of them. One, uh, one <laughs> the philosophy is um, that I, I want to be in a room with people smarter than myself um, and people that bring different things uh, to the table. Uh, you talked about Gully. Uh, Gully had the uh, experience of being a head coach in the NHL in two different organizations, two different environments, including one in Western Canada. Um, you know, I came up to the staff last year and, um, you know, we, we talked about uh, different things and I th- I had an open mind um, and I listened and I bounced things off him in a certain way, um, you know, and I like what he brought to the table. So when it, it came time in the summer uh, about, uh, talking about the complexion of the coaching staff. He was, he was somebody that uh, I was very high on and wanted to keep on staff. You mentioned Dave Manson, Dave, uh, Dave and I have worked together uh, going back to my first time uh, being a head coach in Bakersfield. He's somebody who knows my rhythms. Um, we're different people, uh, different um, uh I would say different approaches, but common, uh, com- common sensibilities, um, and similar philosophies. Um, he comes at things from the experience of having played a thousand games in the national hockey league. Um, having been an NHL all-star on defense, having been one of the, uh, league's biggest intimidators, um, and somebody who wasn't just gifted a coaching career. He's somebody who earned his way to the position he's at he started out in the minor hockey in prince albert worked his way up uh to uh, riding the buses in the whl he went down to the american league for three and a half years and then he came up with me he's my left tackle he puts out a lot of uh fires and takes care of my blind side uh the process of hiring a new assistant coach this summer um centered on for me i i figured out that I wanted to hire another former NHL player, somebody uh, at a different age 
um, age level than Dave Manson. Dave's in his early 50s right now. I wanted someone uh, closer to having just retired so that they spoke the language of today's player. Uh, somebody excited about that type of position. And we found a high capacity, high character person in Mark Stewart. Um, Dustin Schwartz, I had the experience working alongside uh, when I was an assistant in Edmonton. And then, um, you know, for Jeremy Kupal, he's somebody that we hired as a organization out of Nashville, which has a huge tradition of great video coaches. And then Noah Siegel, I knew coming up last year how important that that office is and Noah Siegel had been working in Bakersfield for two years as the video coach and manager of operations down there. He was someone I wanted to bring up and um, you know, I'm thankful because a lot of times people talk about uh, just me, uh, but I know that uh, who I walk with is who I am. And uh, those are the guys that, that uh, really put in the time and I'm thankful I get to get in into the office with them each day. You don't have, I know, and you know, everybody knows, you don't have a choice as to who you play in the playoffs. And as I said before, there are a whole bunch of teams that are a, look about the same, that <laughs> record-wise at least. Uh, is there a team you do not want to play in the opening <laughs> round? And is there is there a team that you, you would like to play? I know no. those are tough questions. Yeah, because- no. No, I, I think we're going to play a good team in the first round. Um, and for me, I think um, every team presents different problems. Um, there are there are reasons why they got to where they got to. And uh, you got to be flexible with your game plan if you want to beat certain types of teams. Um, so for for me, uh, like I said, you know, this run since January has been great, but other teams in our division are playing very well. They're playing really good hockey. Um, so we better be ready. Um, we put the focus on us and our ability to win games in different ways, and we think it'll serve us well as we, we work our way into the playoffs. I suppose what, I should know like this, but talk- have you had – is there a, has there been one team that has been tr- more troublesome than anybody else for you? <laughs> Uh, no, I think we've, we played every team pretty well here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but we've had to be flexible because we haven't mm-hmm. won games in the exact same way, uh, each, each night. And I think that is, speaks to the life stage, um, of where our team is at, uh, the maturity stage of where our team is at. Right. It's not just, we just, you know, this is us and we're going to win the game this way. It's, Hey, the other team does some good things too, and we might have to adjust. And we want to make sure we have those tools in our toolbox. What's it like to coach against Todd? I mean, it must be strange, different. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't really look at the other bench too much. Um, you know, obviously, we have a great friendship. Um, you know, I'm tight with his kids. He's tight with my kids. Uh, our wives are tight. Um, you know, uh, but I think. 
Both of us are competitors. Both of us realize that when we coach against each other, it's not about Todd versus Jay or Jay versus Todd. It's about the Oilers versus the LA Kings. And, um, you know, I know that his teams are always very well prepared. Um, you know, we're not going to get anything over them or by them. They do their work, but we do our work too. But I, I, I would just, I, I would suggest the last, two games, the two nothing game and the three, one game were as close to playoff hockey as you guys have played all season long. Uh, and it was almost like both teams realized, okay, listen, we better button things down because this is serious stuff. Now this is not regular season game number 46. Yeah. Um, that, te- that tells me that the coaches are thinking alike as well. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, uh, you know, we, we talked about our record, but LA's had an unbelievable record here down the stretch. Um, I think this year they've scored more goals than they had in, the, you know, in the last few years. Uh, but early they were giving up some, but in the last month and a half or so, they've really dialed it in. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that goes to what, what Bob and I were talking about there, which is you got to be flexible. You have to understand the way the game's going to play itself out. And uh, you got to try and find ways to beat teams in different ways. Uh, looking at the standings, as we mentioned earlier, and you guys went Vegas along with LA being in this race to uh, win the division. Um, I assume nobody's getting a night off. Is that true? Yeah, it's not in our plan to, to give anybody a night off. And, and I think sometimes the danger with that is that people get out of their normal rhythms. The one thing about us, uh, Bob, down the stretch here is that, you know, we're about to play San Jose on uh, on Saturday. That'll be our third game this week. That's not overly taxing. And then next week we only play two games. So we have enough time built in and we've, I think we've done a pretty good job managing people's minutes and spreading out the workload um, that we feel, we feel good about it. And, but I don't foresee giving anybody nights off. With that, with that kind of schedule, will you have practices? Yeah. Because I, yeah, I, know- and I think that's important too. Do you at this time of year? Yeah, you know what? I think you gotta. You have to understand the players at this time of the year are, um, you know, they're red. They want to play in the playoffs, so they don't necessarily love practicing. But I think practices are an opportunity to sharpen just small points in your game. And it's almost like, um, you know, there are the the practices where you just got to make sure everybody's moving. And then there's the practices where you're actually specifically working on small parts of your game. Um, you know, in the end, uh, we probably have two real practices left uh, during this, this next week and a half. Yeah. So one of the, one of the other aspects that I, I think that has really been different with your club the last six or eight weeks is um, contributions from guys that that you know they said well they, he's got to be better Warren Fogel comes to mind Tyler Yamamoto comes to mind Matthias Yamark you know for the amount of minutes he plays holy smokes there are times where you go out and say that was Yanmark that made that move. It, it, You've always you've had you know Drysaddle and McDavid for a few years, but you haven't had the depth that you've have you have right now. It, doesn't that make a, such a big difference, particularly when the playoffs are approaching? I think so. I think so. I think when you get into 
um, playoff series. A lot of the time, the games are tight. Sometimes the top lines saw each other off, and you need contributions down the lineup. I, I think, um, like last night, we won a game here in Anaheim. Um, you know, we, we had two goals from the line of Coston, Janmark, and uh, Bukestad, Bukestad. Uh, which was that's big for us. I think if you looked at, um, you know, all throughout our lineup, we have people at or near having career years offensively. Even, a, you know, someone in their mid 30s like Derek Ryan is having a great year. Uh, Warren Fogel has really stepped it up in the second half. Um, Ryan McLeod's, even though he injuries that hit a career year um you know those type of things we're all proud of in the end we believe that the strength of our team is in the team uh we do have some game breakers that's undeniable we have we have game breakers um but we're going to need uh contributions from everybody if we expect uh to hit on all cylinders uh starting in game 83 Actually, you just tweaked me to something else. The other thing that's happened is you've kind of tweaked your power play. As good as your power play has been, I noticed that Leon's playing a little more time in front of the net as he is on the wing. Is that something intentional or did that happen organically? I think a little bit of both. I think one thing we want to talk about when it comes to power play is just making sure uh, that we have interchangeable pieces. So it's not just static or stationary. We want to make sure that uh, all five pieces are a threat. And uh, we're probably at our best when when we're moving around. And, you know, uh, Glenn, Glenn would call it road hockey conditions. Um, right. You know, uh, I think that's when we're at our best. And, and uh, it's hard to argue because those guys can really move it around. And how has how the personality of the power play changed when you move from Tyson Berry to Evan Bouchard? Yeah, well, Tyson's an elite power play quarterback. Uh, I think the good good thing with introducing Bouch to it since Tyson's left is that it isn't brand new for him. We've kind of understudied him here over the last last year and a half or so. Uh, so he got reps on it. It's not, not all brand new. Where it's different is probably Bouchard has a, a bigger or heavier shot. Uh, he brings it up the ice well. Um, I think uh, Barry is more, uh, you know, someone who um, was elite at, at transporting it up there. Um, but like I said, Bouch can do that as well. And, and I, the power play is performed here down the stretch. Uh, so we're getting contributions from everyone there. Any truth to the any truth to the uh, story that Tyson actually texted Evan to say, hey, listen, don't worry, you'll be great on the power play. Uh, that's the first I heard of it. I'll ask Bush. Uh, I'll ask Bush yeah. tomorrow at practice, but I, I've never heard that. I, I, actually, I talked to Evan about it, that he did. Tyson okay. actually sent him a note to say, hey, don't worry, you'll be great on the power play. Uh, and that uh, you'll have uh, you'll be in control. Just don't worry. That you don't have to manage the power play. The power play will manage itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That doesn't surprise me because I, I have a very high opinion of Tyson Berry. He's a was a great teammate and uh, was someone who gave us everything he had. And I, I'm thankful that I got to coach him. Well, you got a few games left in this regular season. You're going to try and get first place. Uh, but then the playoffs are looming thereafter, and I know that that is a significant part of your focus even now and will be more as uh, uh, as the next week progresses. We want to take uh, this opportunity to say thank you very much for taking time for us again. We appreciate it greatly, and we wish you nothing but uh, success 
the balance of this year. Um, have a good one, Jay. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me on, Bob. And thanks, John. Appreciate it. Happy Happy Easter. Happy you Easter. Bet. Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. We'll be back in a minute. We are back. And again, our thanks to Jay Woodcroft for being with us, the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. And boy, have they been a story the last couple of months, huh? Well, I, I when you look at it, uh, and and you you know you touched on it that for the longest time we said, "Geez, the uh, the East is stronger, the East is better." Uh, but I'll tell you what, the last six weeks, uh, the Oilers, your your pal McPhee's Golden Knights, and the L.A. Kings have really set the NHL on its ear because they've played so well, and all of a sudden the Pacific Division went from being the weakest division by far to being, you know, prolific and, and to the point where, you know, you look at the playoffs and we all thought that central division and Colorado's tough and Dallas is tough. Minnesota's become tough. They're not as good as the three teams coming out of the Pacific right now, Bob, you know, no, LA, Vegas right. and Edmonton have, they've, they, and, and they did, those three teams did, did tweaking. They didn't make wholesale changes. They did tweaking at the deadline and made themselves so much better. So, you know, when you look what Vegas did uh, with uh, acquiring a couple of guys in Barbashev and and Bluger, uh, the two guys out of Columbus, the goalie, the defenseman Gavrikov coming out of uh, 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 to the L.A. Kings. And then, as as Jay talked about, um, Matthias Ekholm coming from Nashville to Edmonton. And don't don't underestimate the uh, addition of Nick Bukestad. Uh, for the Oilers, who has a, is a really good penalty killer and a great centerman, a, a guy to win faceoffs, uh, has created a lot of relief for Drysaddle and McDavid in the faceoff circle as well. So the, the the Pacific Division all of a sudden is as tough as it always was, uh, but it wasn't that way for most of the year. No, uh, is there a is Edmonton the uh, the team to beat in the West right now because of their recent record? Well, I think the caveat always is, is that you have to be af- afraid of the Stanley Cup champions. But, you know, the Stanley Cup champions haven't been healthy this year, Colorado. But when, when you see as when you see Nathan McKinnon playing the way he's playing, Kale McCarr is not 100%. If he can be 100% by the playoffs starting, then I think that changes the personality of that club. So that's always going to be the, 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 the asterisk. Uh, in the West is be careful if you have to play Colorado, but right now Vegas, LA, Edmonton, um, you know it's a it's a coin toss. Uh, I well, think they're the top three, three. They're the top three in points, but they're, they're at a hundred yeah. or just over. Yeah. And the three teams in the other division are are all at ninety eight. So the, the, there's the really only, not much only, difference, is there? No, but the the only the only thing I would say is that this at this time of year when you're when you're playing Anaheim and you're playing San Jose, you know you're getting points out of teams that are 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 inferior. There are there, you know, it's di- more difficult to get points from the opposition in your own division in the Central than it is in the Pacific right now. That's the only thing. So who that are I those think teams? People have to who? who well, are those Ari- teams, Arizona. What do you mean? Who's, that, who's that playing are tough to- Arizona and San Jose a lot? Well, the the, the three know? teams in the Pacific, the three teams in the Pacific get Anaheim and get San Jose uh, more often, and Vancouver, guy teams that are out of the playoffs, than 
You know, the, the, the depth of the central division is one of those things where you go, because Nashville's still fighting for a playoff spot. They still think they can get in. You know, they still have a chance. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's the difficult part of what's uh, in trying to compare the two divisions. That said, I still think the the three teams in the in the uh, uh, in the Pacific are better than the three top teams uh, in the Central at this point as the playoffs start. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Our again, thanks to Jay Woodcroft for joining us. For uh, John Shannon, this is Bob McCown. We'll see you on uh, Monday. Uh, yes. Have a good weekend, Baseball. everybody. We're, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk baseball Monday. Okay, great. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>